The following program is recorded in binaural stereo and the full effect can be heard on stereo headphones. Sherlock Holmes. We present Barry Foster as Sherlock Holmes and David Buck as Dr. Watson in a new dramatization of the short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. The Priory School, dramatized by Michael Bakewell, with William Fox as the Duke of Holderness. Thornycroft Huxtable, M.A., Ph.D. Name means nothing to me, not a friend of yours, Watson, I fancy. Oh, never heard of him. Well, let us have the fellow in. Won't you step inside, Doctor? Oh, Mr. Holmes. Oh. What? Well, gracious. Your department, Watson, he's passed out. Let's oh, feel his pulse. Uh, uh, it's, it's faint, but steady. Hmm. Yes, I'll, uh, I'll get him some brandy. By the state of his chin, he's neglected himself for some days. Sheer exhaustion, possibly. We are hunger and fatigue. A return ticket from Mackleton in the north of England. It's not yet 12. He must have been an early starter. Yeah, I'll see that. Oh, yeah, he's coming to. Oh, oh, forgive me. So stupid. Uh, I've been a little overwrought. Yeah, now, let me help you up. Uh, oh. Now, let oh. Oh. sit there. Oh. Oh. oh, oh, thank you, Mr. Holmes. If I, if I might have a glass of milk and a biscuit, I have no doubt that I should be better. Yes, yes, of course, of course. I came personally since I feared that no telegram would convince you of the absolute urgency of the case. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, when you are quite restored. Oh, but, Mr. Holmes, you must come to Mackleton by the next train. Uh, Dr. Huxtable, I am very busy at uh, present. Uh, oh, the Abergavenny murder is coming up for trial. Only uh, a very important issue could call me from London. Important? Have you heard nothing of the abduction of the only son of the Duke of Holderness? The former cabinet minister? One of the greatest men in England. The greatest. And perhaps the wealthiest, Mr. Holmes. His grace has already intimated that a cheque for £5,000 would be handed over to the person who can tell him where his son is, and another thousand to him who can name the man or men who have taken him. This is a princely offer. Watson, I think that we shall accompany Dr. Huxtable back to the north of England. Oh, Mr. Holmes. And now, sir, when you have consumed that milk, you will kindly tell me what has happened here. Mm. Yes. Mm. Ah, yes. Gentlemen, I am the founder and principal of the Priory School. Huxtable's sidelights on Horace may possibly recall my name to your memories. <laughs> it is the best and most select preparatory school in England. But I felt that it had reached its zenith when, a few weeks ago, Mr. James Wilder, the Duke's secretary, intimated that Lord Saltire, the only son and heir to the Duke, was to be committed to my charge. Of course. Yes. I trust that I am not indiscreet in telling you that the boy was not entirely happy at home. 
It is an open secret that the Duke and Duchess have separated by mutual consent and that she is now living in the south of France. The Duke felt that Lord Saltire might be happier in your establishment. Yes. Within two weeks, he was perfectly at home with us. He was last seen on the night of the 13th of May. Three days ago? Why, you have been very remiss in not coming to see me sooner. I am not entirely to blame, Mr. Holmes. His Grace was extremely anxious to avoid public scandal. Indeed. Well, let us concentrate on the facts of the boy's disappearance. Yes. His room was on the second floor and can only be approached through another room in which two boys were sleeping. His window was open and there is a stout ivy plant leading to the ground. His bed had been slept in and he had dressed himself fully before going off. There were no signs that anyone had entered the room, and it is quite certain that anything in the nature of a struggle would have been heard. His absence was discovered at seven o'clock. I had once called a roll of the whole establishment, and I discovered that Heidegger, the German master, was also missing. Ah. His room was on the second floor, facing the same way as Lord Sortire's. His bed had also been slept in, but he was presumably only partly dressed, since his shirt and socks were lying on the floor. His bicycle was kept in the shed, and it was gone. Hmm. What manner of man was he? Silent, morose, not very popular with either masters or boys. I see. At first we thought that the boy might have gone back to Holderness Hall, which is only a few miles away, but nothing had been heard of him. Have you been able to trace any connection between the missing boy and the German master? None at all. He never exchanged a word with him, so far as I know. That is certainly very singular. Had the boy a bicycle? No. Was any other bicycle missing? No. Did anyone call to see him on the day before he disappeared? Uh, no. Did he get any letters? Yes. One from his father. Do you open the boy's letters? No coat of arms was on the envelope, and it was addressed in the Duke's peculiar stiff hand. Did the boy ever receive letters from France from his mother? No, never. I think, Mr. Holmes, it is time that we were leaving for Euston. Mm. Um, Could you ask Mrs. Hudson to order a four-wheeler, Watson? Uh, yes, yes, of course. There has, I take it, been some kind of official investigation? Yes, and it has proved most disappointing. An apparent clue was at once obtained. A boy and a young man were seen at a neighbouring station early in the morning. Ah. Only last night they were tracked down in Liverpool, and they proved to have no connection with the matter in hand. Thus wasting three variable days. The affair has been deplorably handled. I feel it. I admit it. I think it would, however, be well to allow the people in your neighbourhood to imagine that the inquiry is still going on in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Yes. In the meantime, I will do a little quiet work at your own doors. And perhaps the scent is not so cold, but the two old hounds, like Watson and myself, may get a sniff at it. Oh, I cannot express my gratitude, Mr. Holmes. No. You have lifted a great weight from my mind. I rejoice that evening will find you within the portals of the Priory School. Yes, Hopkins, what is it? Uh, excuse uh, me, gentlemen. Is there some news? Uh, the, the Duke's here, Doctor. Hmm? He's been in the study for the past half hour, sir. Mr. Wilde is with him. This is most unusual. Uh, come, gentlemen, I will introduce you. Uh, I 
morning, Dr. Huxtable, too late to prevent you from starting for London. I learnt that your object was to invite Mr. Sherlock Holmes to undertake the conduct of this case. His Grace is surprised, Dr. Huxtable, that you should have taken such a step without consulting him. Oh, but Mr. Wilder, surely... You're well aware that His Grace is particularly anxious to avoid all public scandal. Oh, the matter can be easily remedied. Mr. Holmes can return to London by the morning train. Hardly that, Doctor, hardly that. This northern air is invigorating and pleasant, so I propose to spend a few days upon your moors. Whether I have the shelter of your roof or the village inn is, of course, a question for you to decide. Since you have already taken Mr. Holmes into your confidence, Dr. Huxtable, it would be absurd. We should not avail ourselves of his services. Ah. Far from going to the inn, Mr. Holmes, I should be pleased if you and your friend come and stay with me at Holdenness Hall. Oh, thank you, Grace. Uh, for the purposes of our investigation, I think it would be wiser for us to remain at the scene of the mystery. Hmm. Just as you like, Mr. Holmes. It will, of course, be necessary for me to see you at the hall. The most obvious explanation is that the child has been kidnapped for the purpose of levying ransom. Have you had any demand of that sort? No, sir. I understand that you wrote to your son the day before the incident occurred. Yes. Was there anything in your letter which might have unbalanced him or induced him to take such a step? Certainly not, Mr. Holmes. Did you post the letter yourself? His Grace is not in the habit of posting letters himself. This letter was laid with the others on the study table. I myself put them in the postbag. For my part, Mr. Holmes, I have advised the police to turn their attention to the south of France. Why, do you think the Duchess may have... Oh, I do not believe the Duchess would encourage so monstrous an action. The lad has the most wrong-headed opinions, and it's possible that he may have fled to her, aided and abetted by this German. Yes, well, I think, Dr. Huxtable, you will now return to the hall. Of course, Your Grace. Um, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, I will ring for Hopkins to show you to your room. And that would be most kind. An early night, I think, Dr. Huxtable. We have an energetic day before us. Now, Watson, let us apply a little method to the problem. We know, from the evidence of the local policeman and that of the landlady of the Red Lion, the fugitives did not take the high road. I think our best bet would be Gilmore. Now, take a look at the map, Watson. Uh, Moor extends northward for ten miles behind the school. Uh, There's Holderness Hall, you see? Uh -huh. On the far side, I'm convinced that is the way they took. Uh, nothing! almost surpasses belief, Watson. I'm certain that this is the direction they took. They couldn't have passed without leaving some trace, even after this damnable delay. Uh, cows seem to have left their tracks everywhere. Yes. There's a morass down yonder. Let us try there. Yes. Ha! Now then, what have we here? Holmes, we have it. The track of the bicycle. No, Watson. A bicycle, certainly. But not the bicycle. I'm familiar with 42 different impressions left by tyres. This, as you perceive, is a Dunlop. With a patch on the outer cover. Heidegger's tyres were palmers, leaving longitudinal stripes. But they were made by a rider who was heading away from the schools. But how could you tell that? There's a more deeply sunk impression made by the hind wheel upon which the weight rests. Oh. It may or may not be connected with our inquiry. 
Now let us head on to the morass. I'm convinced we shall find something there. See, Watson, those lines in the mud. They're difficult to see. It's also trampled down by the cows. Ha! Those are the marks of a parma tire. Ah, here is Herr Heidegger, sure enough. <laughs> My reasoning seems to have been pretty sound, eh, Watson? Here, yes, yes, actually. Now, let us follow the trail. I fear it will not lead very far. Oh, keep clear of the track, Watson. Oh. Now, do you see the way he's forcing the pace? The impression of the front tires as deep as the rear one. He's ah. leaning forward on the handlebars. Yeah, by Jove, he's had a fall. Oh, yeah. He, he, there's, uh, there's blood on the gorse blossom there, Holmes. Yes, but he's remounted and gone on. There are hooves of cattle everywhere. Surely he wasn't gored by a ball, huh? <laughs> Let's push on. Ah, he's flagging. You see the, the way the tracks twist and turn. Hey, look there, Holmes! There's something metal in those bushes. Bicycle. It's covered in blood. Here, I fear, is our unfortunate German master. His skull's been beaten. He must have been a very courageous man to have gone on after a blow like that. Difficult to know what to do. We've lost so much time, we can't afford to waste another hour. Holmes, there's a fellow cutting Pete over there. He could take a note to the police for us. Ah, Captain Watson, call him over. I need time to ponder over this dreadful muddle. Well, Watson, what do you make of it? Well, it would seem that the unfortunate German master saw the flight of the boy from his window and went after him. Mm. But why did he go for his bicycle? Why not just run after him? The other bicycle. No, there was no trace of it at the scene of the tragedy. And the German master was killed with a blow that no boy could have delivered. And yet there were no human footprints. No, this is impossible. Admirable, Watson. Most illuminating remark. It is impossible, as I stated. Therefore, I must, in some respect, have stated it wrongly. There were no human footprints, only those of cattle. Yes, they were everywhere, at the brass, on the path, and where poor Heidegger met his death. Exactly. Well, now, Watson, how many cows have you seen on the moor today? Yes. I, I don't see any. <laughs> And what of the tracks themselves? Picture them in your mind's eye. Oh, what a blind beetle I've been. Cows that can walk and canter and gallop. Oh, now, who could have thought up such a blind as that? There's the inn below us. Let us have a quiet look round the stable. The fighting cock. Squalid enough looking place. Seems quiet. Has its own smithy as well as stables. Let 
Let's just slip inside. Come on, boy. Careful. Old shoes, but newly shod. What's that? Old shoes, but shod with new nails. Look, this case deserves to be a classic. Dumb spies! What are you doing here? Just having a look at your horses, Mr. Reuben Hayes. Who are you? How have you got my name off so pat? Oh, come, man, it's painted over the door of your inn. Now then, do you have such a thing as a carriage in your stable? No, I have not. I'd give you a sovereign for the use of a bicycle. I don't have a bicycle either. Where do you want to go? To Holderness Hall. Oh, friends of the Duke, I suppose. As a matter of fact, he'll be glad to see us, anyhow. Why is that, then? Because we bring news of his son. What? You're on his track? He's been heard of in Liverpool. Liverpool? Yes. They expect to get him every hour. Oh, uh, I was the Duke's coachman once, you know. Uh, sacked me on the word of a lying corn chandler. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear the young lord was heard of in Liverpool. You've no need of a bicycle and a carriage to get to the hall. You can manage it on foot. It's not more than two miles to the gates. You follow the road to the left. We were warm, as the children say, that in. I seem to grow colder at every step I take away from it. Uh, no, no, I can't possibly leave it. I am convinced that this Reuben Hayes knows all about it. More self-evident villain I never saw. I think we might take another look at the fighting cock, but in a less obtrusive way. Let's turn off the road, Watson, and make our way back over the moor. Look. Someone's in a hurry. Hmm? He's riding as if his life depended on it. Get down, Watson. It's Wilder, the Duke's secretary. He looks scared out of his wits. He's making for the fighting cock. Let's follow. It's getting dark. We'll not be seen. single man and a dog cart, as far as I could see. But not James Wilder. He's waiting at the door. Uh, someone else is coming. They're going in. Now there's a light on the first floor. Seems to be a curious class of custom that's done at the fighting cock. Come, Watson. We must really take a risk and try to investigate this a little more closely. that window, Watson. I think I might just make it on your back. If you can bear my weight for a moment. Come along, my friend. Our day's work has been quite long enough, and it's a good walk back. 
I shall call in at Mackleton Station to send a few telegrams, have as good a meal as the Priory School can provide, and tomorrow we shall pay a little visit to Holderness Hall. No, Mr. Holmes. It's impossible. His grace is far from well. I must see the Duke, Mr. Wilder. But he is in his room. Then I must go to his room. I believe he is in his bed. I will see him there. Very well, Mr. Holmes. I will tell him you are here. Well, Mr. Holmes, I think, Your Grace, that I could speak more freely in Mr. Wilder's absence. If Your Grace wishes. Yes, 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 you'd better go. Now, Mr. Holmes, what have you to say? If I am correctly informed, you are offering a reward in this case. That is so, Mr. Holmes. It amounts to £5,000 to anyone who will tell you where your son is. Exactly, Mr. Holmes. And another thousand to the man who will name the personal persons who keep him in custody. Uh, yes, yes, yes. If you do your work well, Mr. Holmes, you'll have no reason to complain of niggardly treatment. My agents are the Capital and Counties Bank in Oxford Street, if you would be so good as to make out a cheque for £6,000. Is this a joke, Mr. Holmes? It is hardly a subject for pleasantry. I was never more earnest in my life. I know where your son is, and I know some, at least, of those who are holding him. And who do you accuse? I accuse you. And now, Your Grace, I'll trouble you for that cheque. How much do you know? I saw you together last night at the fighting cock. Does anyone beside your friend know? I have spoken to no one. All right, Your Grace. You are both, of course, men of discretion. I hardly understand, Your Grace. There is no reason. Why this affair should go any farther? I think that uh, <clears throat> 12,000 pounds is the sum I owe you. What? A man has been murdered. A murderer has escaped, Mr. Holmes. Your Grace can hardly have heard of any small reputation that I possess. Thank you. Mr. Reuben Hayes was arrested at Chesterfield on my information last night. You seem to have powers that are hardly human. But James was not responsible, Mr. Holmes. He employed that brute Hayes. But the moment he heard of the murder, he made a complete confession to me. He was horrified. You must save him, Mr. Holmes. You must. I take it that your words apply to Mr. James Wilder, your secretary. My son, Mr. Holmes. Wilder? Good Lord. I confess that this is entirely new to me, Your Grace. I will do what I can, but it must be on the basis of absolute frankness between us. When I was a young man, Mr. Holmes, I loved with such a love as comes only once in a lifetime. I offered the lady marriage, but she refused on the grounds that such a marriage would ruin my career. She died and left this one child, whom, for her sake, I have cherished and cared for. But 
never acknowledged. James surprised my secret and has presumed ever since upon the claim he has upon me. His presence has something to do with the unhappy outcome of my marriage. Above all, he hated my young and legitimate heir, which is why I sent Lord Saltire to Dr. Huxtable's school. I see. James availed himself of the services of this fellow Hayes in his plan to kidnap Arthur. He inserted a note into a letter I'd written, asking the boy to meet him in the wood behind the school. He bicycled over that evening and told Arthur that his mother longed to see him, that if Arthur were to come to the wood at midnight, he would find a man with horses who would take him onto the moor where his mother was awaiting him. Well, Arthur came to the appointment where he was met by Hayes. And the German master followed them and was beaten to death by Hayes. James had hoped to force me to break the entail. He would restore Arthur only if I would make it possible for the estate to be left to him by will. When he heard of the murder, he begged me to keep silence for three days to give his wretched accomplice a chance to escape. I yielded as I have always yielded. And left your son in that stinking den for three days. To humor your guilty elder son, you have exposed your younger son to unnecessary danger. You have condoned a felony and aided the escape of a murderer. I will help you, but on one condition only. That you carry out, without question, whatever I tell you. I await your command, Mr. Holmes. You must send immediately to the fighting cock and bring Lord Saltire home. I will do so instantly. And Mr. James Wilder must leave your household. It is already settled that he shall leave me forever and go to seek his fortune in Australia. In that case, Your Grace, I would suggest that you make such amends as you can to your duchess that you try to resume those relations which were so unhappily disturbed by Mr. Wilder's presence. That also I have arranged. I wrote to the Duchess this morning. As to Hayes, I say nothing. The gallows awaits him, and I would do nothing to save him from it. I have no doubt that Your Grace could make him understand that it is in his interest to keep silent. I will do what I can. There is one other point on which I desire some light. This fellow Hayes had shod his horses with shoes which counterfeited the tracks of cows. Now, was it from Mr. Wilder that he learned so extraordinary a device? Ah, I can indeed shed some light on the matter, Mr. Holmes. Would you be so good as to follow me? This room, as you can see, has been fitted up as a sort of ancestral museum. And in this case, you will find the answer to your question. This inscription was written by James himself. These shoes were dug up in the moat of Holderness Hall. They are for the use of horses, but they are shaped below with a cloven foot of iron so as to throw pursuers off the track. They are supposed to have belonged to some of the marauding barons of Holderness in the Middle Ages. And there is still a thin film of mud along the side of the shoe. Thank you, Your Grace. It is the second most interesting object that I've seen in the North. And the first? Oh, your check. I'm a poor man. <laughs>
was Barry Foster as Sherlock Holmes and David Buck as Dr. Watson in The Priory School by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell. The Duke of Holderness was played by William Fox. James Wilder by Peter O'Dwyer. Dr. Huxtable, Alan Dudley. And Reuben Hayes by Ralph Lawton. The play was directed in our Birmingham studios by Peter Novice.